0: Is that
1: what you want us to say? <laughs> haters, us, haters everywhere.
0: <laughs> Finally. Well, is this a part where I acknowledge that your iPhone or whatever i nonsense you're using is working? Because your camera quality has gotten significantly better.
1: If I tell you what I'm using, you're going to be angry. So maybe I shouldn't say it.
0: It cannot be anything Android, is it?
1: I'm using an iPhone 6.
0: It's okay, yeah. Let's No, 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 no. That's, I take my take back my compliment. How dare you just iPhone 6? The one is iPhone. I even know there's iPhone 13, so, That one i know. I, that one I know. I take no, it
1: back. No. So so basically, no. Basically, I have this app that lets you use your phone as your webcam, um, and you can get like a cheap. So I just got like a cheap iPhone six to use as a dedicated webcam. Basically,
0: well, I'm talking on my iPhone. I don't care about iPhone. I don't want. to have this conversation.
1: <laughs> Am I frozen as well? By the way,
0: you've been frozen since Elsa would not even recognize
1: you anymore. Wow, that that was a good joke That was low. That was low. I I, I don't know why I laughed. Why? If I don't laugh, you're happy. I myself laughed. Do you know how red that is? You're trottling. Oh my gosh, I'm the best ever. I'm
2: back.
0: No, thanks. I don't see you, but I think it's just as well. I think (laughs) let's take your face because I don't know. It's like we can't have it though.
1: Oh, she's back with the video.
0: In, oh, in, in can you
1: hear full, me in full yeah. color and audio? Yes, I can see
0: can. you, I can hear
2: you,
1: see and hear you. Are <laughs> mm. your audio
2: perfect?
1: Chef's <laughs> case, <kit.
2: laughs> thank god. Finally, okay. <laughs>
0: I hope to ignore this short exercise. But Finally. That Apple is just one of the biggest corruptors of the world, <laughs> and we should do away with it. That's just the moral of this whole story.
1: <laughs> see. you know what i always say to you everyone has their flaws (laughs) (laughs) hi there welcome to the more
0: simple podcast this is a podcast for blacks asians and those who love them i am mo and i am your host ready to spark your curiosity as i take you on this adventurous ride Of exploring cultures through the stories of my guests from all over the world. On this show, we get really personal, discussing salient issues that are relevant to our contemporary age and also building community around them. As our guests exercise courage and vulnerability in sharing their life's experiences, we hope that in turn you are inspired by them and that you get the courage needed to set your own stories free. Enjoy the ride! And thank you so much for listening. Anyways, um, welcome back everyone to the show. <laughs> Sorry, hold <I'm dead>. on. <laughs> 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 I'm still jet lagged. Um, whatever that mini so. version of traveling is. Hello everyone, welcome back to the show. This is Mo and...
1: I day And that needs to be the official intro.
0: I think that's it. That's all you guys have to know because... Look at that original, you know. <laughs> I, I mean, is kind of like drawn in a very long way, so that way you can lose an day Well, um, today we have a mutual friend on the show, best believe it. And we both went to college together. Um, some of you listening to this might know her, some of you might not, but by the end of this conversation, you're gonna know a lot about her, I guess. Um, she's a poet and a writer. She has written three poetry books so far. One called Scarcast, the other one, The Calligraphy of God. And she just released her new book, a third book, "How to Dance in Time." Um, she started writing poetry at an early age, and it has been, you know, her sole passion. She has written over five hundred poems since her childhood. She loves to write, and through the years, she has, you know, shared some of her work on social media. On Instagram, right now, she's at, you know, poet misery, no poet at misery, like you know, poet and misery. And she has over 64,000 followers, which is, I think is, you know, really bossing. We're going to tag all of her social media handles in the show notes, so go check them out. In her spare time, she, you know, likes to reach, likes to dance, and she loves watching The Office. I follow her on WhatsApp, so a lot of her status sometimes is just screenshots of conversations, of, like, series that she's watching, so I know she's a true Office fan. And her hope one day is to live in a house by the sea, with 10 dogs, and write 100 books. That's very, very specific. Everyone, please join me in welcoming, or join us in welcoming Jenim DBA to the podcast. Hello. Hi. I need to
1: know the order. I need to know the order of those hopes. Is so that, it's it's a house, house, it's a house it's a house by the sea and then, and the, then the
0: dogs will come but there's no pickle fence there's no white pickle fence again I, I write All 100 right. books not 99 books not 105 books or 100 <coughs> books
1: also dogs. yes do the books before you move into the house count. <coughs> <laughs> I, I need to ask them. Be careful
0: how you answer that question. You're going to be psychoanalyzed and judged because <laughs> this is a psychiatrist coming out in him.
2: That's oh why. Johnny, please defeat right now. <laughs> in just that other, you know, the the first, no picket fences, then the ducks coming. Then and write the, the book. continue all through.
0: Yeah. Wow.
2: <laughs> wow. Uh, uh, yeah.
0: Well, um, uh, Really nice to have you, and I know that this is a story that I think whatever I'm going to talk about today is something that I know has been, I mean, it's coming on for a long time, so thank you for doing us the honors of coming on the show. Thank,
2: thank you so
0: much. Yes, man. yes. So, I was just thinking about it, like, I don't even really call you by your first name. I call you by Jenny. So, maybe we can just start by that, like, how did you come about Jenny, and What was it like just, you know, growing up as a whole? Maybe tell us a little bit about, you know, how you grew up and what does, how did Jenny become just, you know, I know I can imagine it's Jennifer and Nim, I mean, paying like a a homage to your Igbo side. But, you know,
2: just tell us a little bit about just your glory. Okay. So um, my... Okay, let me start with the name, then I go to my childhood. So the name came about, like, in Medi in my medical school. So my roommate and best friend um, noticed, like, I love to wear jeans a lot. So she's Denim. So she now started calling me Jenny. So, but my birth name is Jennifer. Then, like, another variation is when you say Janine, it says, like, my Jenny, my Jennifer, something like that. So those two came together, and Janine became my pen name, and that's what I'm known for. A lot of people don't know who Jennifer Divya is. They just know who Jennifer Divya is. And uh, then for my childhood, I was born in Wari, Nigeria. And uh, I um, I was the second in a family of four. And um, my brother, I have one brother, two sisters. So, uh, I'm the first girl. And growing up in Wari was crazy, but very fun and interesting. So, like, everyone knows about worry, worry is a crazy is <laughs> a crazy place to grow up, basically. And because of, like, the... You know, that's where the Niger Delta is, the um, oil. So, of course, there are lots of crises and different things. But I had a beautiful childhood. And uh, I think my dad got transferred to Lagos in 1999. So our entire family moved to Lagos. And then my life changed, <laughs> yeah.
1: So, um, you've told us about, you've told us about your, your dreams, your wanting to get live in the house by the sea and, you know, the 10 dogs and the hundred books. And I really want to sit with that because there's so much there, but there's, there's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot more to you. So, and, and we need to, we need to talk about that. Um, okay. one of the things about you that I know we're going to spend time on is fact that you... And I think this is how I first knew you is that you love to write um and you love to read. Yeah. Um and we're going to get into that. But before we get into that, um tell us tell us something about you that Tolane and I don't know, and that perhaps many people don't know about you. Something something that people tend to be surprised by when they discover.
2: Okay. Um so I grew up like being a very shy kid, but as a teenager, the first thing I did was I joined the choir. So I was part of the choir, me and my sister, my immediate younger sister. Then after that, I was the head of a dance group. So we used to go out and perform on stage (laughs) at different concerts and churches. Is there like a video clip of that
0: anywhere on YouTube that we can watch?
2: (laughs) My sister here, me maybe not. <laughs> so we we love dance, like we prefer dancing so much more than school that my dad became extremely worried and banned us from dancing. <laughs> We're so passionate about dance, we loved it so much and wanted to become professional dancers, you know. And my dad was like what you know if you have a nigerian parent you know what i'm talking about so no way you're going to be a doctor and you're going to be you know all the professional things you should be and so for me it brought my dancing career to it out, but my sister was like way more stubborn and she kept on dancing secretly <laughs> so even in med school so she became a doctor. She danced all over Lagos and outside Lagos. And <laughs> she danced the life away. Loved- see,
1: I think I remember the Mildred, dancing bit. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Was well, she not in yeah.
1: okay. um, dancing group, right? Yeah, it's
0: she was. did gospel on stage or whatever yeah. they used to do. Yeah, she was yes. uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So we well, shout out together. to Mildred. Yeah, yeah, Wow. <laughs> so that was, that's actually a fun fact. I didn't know about you. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, There's something you said earlier about how you you were you were shy as a kid, and I know even in our conversation, I know what there's something you used to describe yourself like I'm painfully shy, and but your the way you write, anyone picking up your book, you don't get to see that because it's almost like you have a different persona through your words. So I guess my question would be, um, I, 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 maybe I never even ask, ask this question a lot better than I would do justice to it is your shyness. Was it something that was just how you were, or did something make it change? And I believe that you've also maybe evolved since then, you know, maybe not quite as shy because you, you're doing more stuff now. I, I guess my my question is just really talk a little bit about your shyness and how you've been able to get a lot of things done despite, you know, um, this attribute of yours.
2: Okay. So, um, I like to believe, like, maybe since I was in my mom's, you know, stomach, I was already, like, shy. I believe I was kind of born shy, but um, the environment I grew up in kind of, uh, uh, maybe, when I say, exacerbated it, made it more pronounced, because I wasn't really allowed to have a voice, like, to speak, so... If someone kind of hurt you or annoyed you, you were meant to kind of swallow it and accept it and keep quiet about it, you know. So I just grew to um, kind of retreat into my shell a lot, you know, and um, I never, the rest of my uh, siblings are (laughs) ultra-confident. overconfident even, you know, they are bored and they are, you know, they kind of dominate their world. For me, I'd always been that child that was just extremely quiet and not outgoing. And um, even though like maybe people wanted to be my friends, I didn't know how to communicate with them or socialize with them. And um, then of course, I didn't know what introvert meant and all those other, you know, terminologies. And, um, So, but I kind of went through a lot in my life that I never thought I would go through. So I needed to find a way to let it out, you know, let out the things I was thinking but couldn't say and let out the pain and the, you know, basically my life journey, just let out a way to release, you know, the pressure of life. And at the age of 13 or 14, I found my voice through poetry. So, everything I wanted to say but could not say, I could say it in a metaphor, you know, where people could say but not really know, okay, it's not explicit that she's saying this, you know, so you can draw your own conclusion from it. And so, poetry became kind of my lifeline.
0: Oh, wow, that's so beautiful. And just imagine not having that voice. It's what I really believe in, you know, I I strongly advocate for like art, art programs, like in schools and. You know just giving ch- children especially you know the opportunity to be able to express themselves especially when you've gone through some things i'm not gonna i'm not gonna you know do that thing you know, of being ultra curious to find out what ch- how your childhood was like but i can definitely relate. like being able to write stuff and you know i'm just gonna write about my life in a way but like a third person and yeah. if you want to look at me and think it's me that's fine but whatever i'm writing anyway so but yeah. thanks for sharing that that's you know um
1: I, I I yeah I, I I definitely want to I want to know a bit more about that bit where you said you found your voice through poetry yeah. um Can you unpack that like what what okay. what was the is there a story there
2: Yes
1: <laughs> you know did did you read did you read a poem in your life like what happened what what was the magic here
2: Okay So um, all my life, I've been like a science student. All my family were all kind of science students, apart from my parents, they were arts, but they wanted their children to be science students. So we're heavily into the sciences. So I did not study poetry or know anything about poetry, literature, books, and all that. It wasn't a part of my childhood. My parents never kind of brought books to their own, but we brought up a lot on music and movies, but not books. So what just happened was that... um, I don't know if I should say this, but like I kind of uh suffered a lot of verbal abuse. So it was a lot. So whenever the I was that child, like my other siblings, like or other people, verbal abuse meant nothing to them. Maybe physical abuse would be more, you know, um hardcore to them, but to me it was the opposite. Verbal abuse was what was hardcore core to me. So it was actually like crushing my spirit and even made me more shy and retreat points to myself. So I had a lot of verbal abuse and at some point I accepted like every negative thing someone said about me. So everything they said and uh, I think maybe especially from my parents. So Whatever they said, I believed them that that was what I was. Whatever negative words they used to describe me, I believed them. And I wrote it down I am this, I am that. That was how I "I started writing. That's the weirdest thing. So I just kept writing down every negative thing they said I was. And I said that that was who I was and what I was. And I had like, you know, this long, I think they call it higher education book, (laughs) filled with words. The (laughs) brown one, right? Ah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, wow.
2: oh my god it was memories it was, yeah so much you know um, at some point i just started writing it like in lines i had no idea of any poet i didn't know what poetry was or meant you know mm. and but i was just writing my thoughts in lines so coming to 2011 where facebook was now all that and everything so i start posting my poems, I don't know if you remember, there used to be like a note section on Facebook. Oh, yeah, oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I used to put my work in one of in the, the many notes. things
1: in the Facebook graveyard.
2: Yeah. I can't even go back. If I look
0: at the things I wrote, I'm like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> people write this crap. But hey, we don't hate the good old days. This is how it started.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. So when I posted, they were like, oh, nice poem. And I was like, what's a poem? You know? And I went to Google and I was like, if you want a poem what's poetry? And I started Googling and spending days on Wikipedia, you know, reading the stories of poets like John Keats, you know, and their life story and things like that. And I was like, oh, wow. And I would read their poems. I will just like Google top 100 poems and I will see Maya Angelou and all that. I was like, wow, this is beautiful. You know, <laughs> so this is what I'm doing. And that's how I got into poetry.
1: That is wow. amazing. So basically <laughs> you discovered poetry Poetry discovered you, in a sense, is yes. what you're, I'm hearing. Like, you were you were getting into it before you even knew what it was you were getting
2: yeah.
0: into. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I just that want to add, amazing. not to, like, yeah, I agree with me, mean, not to, like, minimize the things we went through as a child, but your story reminds me of just, you know, that part of the Bible that says all things work together for good. Like, the same sensitivity that made you absorb what people said around you to me, that's my identity. Was what you used to like drive your poetry, and here we are today. So I guess the moral of the story is: well, let's be very careful the words we say to you know little children, because one a child might listen to something and they might not think much of it. Other kids might be like sponges where they absorb everything around them. But um, let's be very wise our words and kind our of words. But all that said is that I'm glad I able to like at least find out that maybe all of those things were not were not necessarily true about you but you could empower yourself through your words and, you know, cease that narrative and write your own poetry and, you know, share your work with the world. So, good job to you on that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So, I know one of the... I, I can't remember the first time I ever met you. I knew you were my junior in <laughs> pharmacy school and yeah. the only interaction I remember about you was on Bodhisattva. I don't know if you remember that day. I mm. used to work in a pharmacy and I saw you just across the street and... I might mean, even take this part out, but you gave me a hug. And I think you told me you're maybe going to study. It was, were there something regarding economics or something? Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And you gave me a <laughs> hug and we had a, a short conversation and I, I didn't hear about you from many, many years. But I know that one of, if I remember, was that you almost always kept to yourself. And perhaps one of the things that, because I remember asking some, I, I don't know how your conversation came about. And the person said oh that you know very shy wasn't like not shy but it said in the way that oh she doesn't talk to people so i imagine that maybe some of the things people might think about she is you know not being They'll probably called her a snob
1: a Wish snob yeah shy, you, which you, was shy people tend to yeah, get yeah do you get that a lot and, time.
0: yes how does that how have you i'm sure you've heard that many times you know ironically absolutely
2: not like this is was... <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let's hear it, let's hear it. Give it to us. Okay. Let's hear it.
2: Okay, so what happened with that, like when I got into Medilag, for some reason I cannot like explain or take credit for, I became extremely popular. So I was friends with, like, almost all the heads of all I the people. I remember these parts. You know? <laughs> I was friends with lots of people because I smile a lot. So because I smile a lot, I'm kind of approachable, you know? So I met lots of people. I was friends with lots of people. Although, like, I didn't form close friendships with them. But, like, they knew who Jennifer was. And they knew, oh, she's friendly, she's nice and all that. So when Lidwell even came in, like, a year after me, all our classmates loved me. I should like... No, they're my classmates, <laughs> you know, so I it was the opposite for me, especially in the early years, 200, 300 level, and then on my 21st birthday, what happened is that I kind of had, like, you know, this party in my room, so lots of people should come and all that, but... My roommates knew me as the girl who always stays in on a bed on the top bunk. You know, she never goes out. She doesn't do clubbing. No one comes to visit her nothing. So when I said I was having my birthday, they did not really expect like anybody to come because who so does she know? You know. Then, by the time I come back like from home with the food and all that to, the, to school, and um, my sister, the last one, just in secondary school then, and she came, and. The entire floor was filled with people from all departments. That was the irony. I was in pharmacy, but I was friends with everybody, like from all departments. <laughs> from all departments, from like all fellowships, just different people. And like my floor was filled. The next floor, people were just hanging around. And my roommate like, How do they know her? How does she know anybody? And when my sister goes home, she tells my dad jennifer is so popular and it was like what no she's a quiet person why is she popular (laughs) so that was the irony of my life it was the opposite i'm i'm
0: i'm glad you know i'm glad you know (laughs) yours is different and thanks for jogging my memory
1: on that i was wondering i was just wondering what's um i I know you said you don't know how it happened yeah but i'm sure you thought about it and i'm sure you have some some theories and i'd like to hear what those theories are
2: the only thing I could think responsible for that was that maybe I just felt good because I smiled a lot and was like if I saw someone even if I'd never met them and maybe they just kind of looked friendly as in in a way like trying to say oh hello like my face would always give a smile to them and they felt welcome so and I went like when I first came I went to different relationships trying to figure out where I belong so but when I got there I became friends with the pastor, so like all the pastors in the fellowship knew me, and it was just weird. I I don't know, like I don't I really do not know what to attribute that to honestly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, my question was gonna be this for you. So I know was he early uh, early two thousand sometime. I think two thousand and eight, two thousand and between two thousand and seven and no two thousand eight and two thousand and twelve you had a speak in your um, your poetry. I mean, Facebook was kind of changing from notes to like, you know, ha- like you could hang out with people. And I just remember it just blowing a lot. And you had, I remember there was a, an event you held in Lagos. I wasn't in Nigeria then, but I, I was following your Facebook so I could watch. where you had like your poetry readings, you, your books were, you know, being sold. I think that was when, was it Calligraphy of God or the very first one, you know, came out. And, and then you went quiet for a few, you know, years. So I'm just curious to know, how have you been able to manage those seasons of peaks and valleys? Because right now I feel like you've, you've been quiet for a while, but maybe just writing in the background. And now with your third book coming up, I, I see you doing more stuff on you know, social media. <laughs> but I, I, those those moments, if I like feel the valleys, I'm really curious about the valleys because I go through that as well as a creative is how have you been able to handle just the the fame that comes with the, the the peaks and then the i won't call it depression but let's just call it depression as a well, way that comes with the valleys and those you know those two times and was this intentional for you
2: um yeah sometimes like okay so the first one you mentioned that was my first book so that was carcass for some reason i i do not know why but like you mentioned my poetry kind of just blew on social media and uh at some point, I noticed, like, then I was still in Nigeria, and I noticed most of my following was from outside Nigeria, you know? And I was like, okay, why? You know, I didn't know why.
0: And, and this was for Instagram, by the way, or hashtag. So yes. FY, this girl, she's been to places, okay? Put some respect on her, okay?
2: <laughs> it was just so crazy, you know? I, I was like, the irony was that StarCast is probably... This is how i describe this, my three books. Scarcast could be my purest work, because what happened was that I wrote Scarcast. I like to describe it this way. Like, I wrote Scarcast sitting down in the depths of hell. I was going through hell in my life. And in that darkness and lostness and everything, I just kept writing, writing. Just, so it was as if the writing could save me. So I was saving myself through writing. And when I was writing, I wasn't planning to publish or anything. I was just writing for myself to save myself, my sanity and all that. Then, But I had gathered so much work, you know, body of work. And people were like, you have to get published, you know. So that was when Oscar Cup came. So I still believe it's one of my purest work. But in terms of my best work, I would attribute that to the calligraphy of God. So the space between Scarcast and the Calligraphy of God is about two years. Scarcast was launched in December twenty um no, April twenty fourteen, then calligraphy of God December twenty sixteen. It's about two years. So those like you mentioned the the down period, I usually do it on purpose. So I try as much as possible. I call it Ibernatan. So once there's this old big noise and all that, eventually I always want to go back to my shell, you know, because that's where I feel most comfortable. And um, when I go back into my shell, I try to rediscover myself because it's easy to get lost in the noise, the fame, the, oh, I love your work and things like that. But I want to, all my life, remain kind of a pure, true artist. So I want to focus on the art. So that's two years of depression. Most of the time I don't write at all, I don't post any work on social media, I just live my day-to-day life, then at some point I start writing, and that's when the next book comes out.
0: For those that are wondering, Scarcast is, you know, <laughs> her very first book. And she called it the anthology of Janine DBA, and there was a point you changed your name on Facebook to Scarcast DBA, right?
2: Yes, yes, <laughs> yes.
0: So it's a collection of um of of poems with themes on love, life, death, God, the past, the present, the future. It's a a blend of experimental and modern poetry. And again, like she said earlier on, it's born from a place of pain to heal the pain. And she's just, you know, just having a way to express herself through poetry. And thanks for um, answering that. And I think for you, since you said it's, it's a deliberate way to kind of hibernate it, but I imagine that having to, I don't know, I don't know how you, you're good with dealing with fame because I don't take, I don't even have fame. Like I'm not anywhere near as famous as you are. But the, and I think for me, it's quite deliberate. It's why I don't just do things just for the sake of wanting to be, become popular. Even the little popularity I have it messes me up in my mind because I don't think mm-hmm. I, I haven't reached that emotional maturity to know to handle it. There's a way he wants me to just want to keep overperforming in a way that robs me from my creative purpose. So I'm a little bit. God, I always want to go against the grain when it comes to that, and I still don't know how I'm going to walk around. It. I mean, you don't have to diagnose this issue, okay? It's still a working problem for me, and I don't need you saying that. But, but, anyways,
1: I was going to say I was I was actually going to say something about the. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the term microfamous tell me about that Mm-mm, i haven't heard of it before so um i might not be defining it as best as like only famous with people that could. you know <laughs> but sort of fam- no, well famous within a small group of people but mm-hmm. not famous to everybody and yeah. it's like sort of the ideal of famous for creatives and especially mm-hmm. for introverted creatives because it's like it's like where this level where if you go to like many cities globally you will find someone who knows you that yeah. you've not met, that you can meet up with and have coffee. Yeah. You know, so it's like this sort of nice, like, oh, who's who's here? You know, who's who's in London? Who's in okay. New
0: York. Okay, I think I'm that way because I have people in. Do you get what I mean? My... Yeah, I think I might. be Yeah,
1: but 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 like not like enough <laughs> that it's affecting your privacy in any yeah. Thing yeah. way. Or yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, okay. A good way of saying it. Mm. Thank you for that. I'll own that. <laughs>
1: But 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 I was gonna ask uh Jenny I was gonna ask um you so one of the themes in your work is faith. Mm-hmm. It's um and, and I and I know from I I know from conversations we had because I know we talked about this back in uni years and years and years ago. I don't know if you remember. Oh. Um and I know from some of your work that i've read over time that is something that you know some of your work is obviously someone is 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 it's visible wrestling with faith right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and 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 I, i guess what i wanted to ask is um if well one if you could talk a bit about that like in what ways in what ways are you wrestling with faith right now? If that's something you want to talk about? Because I know that might be super personal Ooh, and that's, that's fine a, if you don't want to talk about it. That's a good question. It,
0: please answer um, it.
1: And well, okay, let, let me ask that one first. That in what ways are you wrestling with faith right now? Or or if you're not wrestling at all, yes. uh, what was the last wrestling you had and what did you come to after it?
0: I immediately turning this to the real rumble. <laughs>
1: In the blue
0: corner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Snake.
1: <laughs> she's definitely in the red corner. You guys can't see her, but she's wearing. D
0: D D slab. I'm sorry. Oh my god. Like Solani, right you're going
1: to be in the blue corner because you're I'm actually. I'm sorry. Watching.
0: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. So it's black, by the way. Are you color blind? <laughs> I
2: might be. Oh sorry. World. Sorry. Please. Sorry. <laughs> it's Okay. So let's see. Uh. Wow, I've had quite a journey with God um wow, it's been like ups down, ups, down, mostly down, 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 then up, 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 down it's been <laughs> <laughs> it's been crazy, it's been a roller coaster ride uh, so let's see. I will just start from the start uh, I was born into a Christian family, and um my mom is like. I did not know. <laughs> if God was like... Prayer. Absolute, <laughs> he... <laughs> he just got it. <laughs> he just got it. Like, he got it. If God was in person, like, she would be like God's brother and sister or something. Like, they would just be... Uh, she's just like, oh, a love for God is so inspiring. She has had a lifelong affair with God. And... Um, So I was born into that kind of family, and my dad was also a Christian, but not the way my mom was, but, you know, and um, so we grew up going to church. We grew up, for some reason, all of us, we just kind of loved God, and so we're all kind of very active in church, different departments. Sometimes I'll be like in four or five departments at the same time, choir, dance, Sunday school, usher, (laughs) whatever I could do, I just wanted to do, because I loved doing it, and I just kind of loved God. But, so, by the time I get to college, that's where my life kind of started taking a detour. Um, so a lot happened to me in medellag and um two thousand and nine was kind of the peak of it all, and when that happened. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do in my life. I felt God had filled me. I blamed it all on God, you know. So I just, because I was praying a lot and hoping a lot and, you know, needing kind of God to just kind of do some miracle to save me and stop some things that were about to happen to me, but it never worked. And so when there was an eventual breakdown, I, I blamed it all on God. And At that point, I just said, like, I'm done. I don't want to be, I don't do anything, you know, anything relating to God. Just cut me out, you know. I'm done. And in 2011, I actually, like, said it, like, definitively. Like, I kind of said, like, God, just leave me alone. Now, it's not like I don't believe in God or I believe in God. I'm just kind of agnostic on the fence, whatever the situation is. Day or day. Just, exactly. Just I don't care. Just leave me alone, you know. And I just stayed on the fence and I stayed that way. Interestingly, normally in the past if I say kind of like God leave me alone, I still kind of feel his presence around me. But from that twenty eleven to like twenty to last year. I never felt that I don't know I don't want to go all too spiritual but like I never felt that presence of God in my life anymore. And um oh uh, it was It was horrible and um, Mm. so at the point I moved from agnostic to atheist to like okay I I don't even believe in the existence of God and I started like trying to find out okay so all these people that do not believe in God that means they, they must have like some knowledge you know let me go to science and you know let me find out you know and I went in and I tried to watch videos on YouTube and read books you know and I discovered like they didn't have the answer either I was like you know so i just went back to my agnostic self so but last year i had a conversation with my brother and i think he just mentioned something like um he didn't know like all the struggles that added my faith he just mentioned something like um what has god ever done to anyone you know or to you all he's ever tried to do was to love humanity and to love us you know and we ate him for it, kind of, and when he said that, it just kind of broke my heart, like after the call, I wept for like, for like, thirty really minutes straight, you know, and that was in October, and since October till now, I've been back to God, and our relationship has been flourishing, <laughs> and it's been so beautiful and good to be back, and in my writing, like you said, you would always say, it. it's a story of someone struggling. You know, with faith, with what to believe, you know. And sometimes the poems are kind of targeted at God. <laughs> sometimes I write a poem, once the sees it, she'll, she'll just tell me, that I know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> you know. people
1: have started again. Oh my God. <laughs> exactly. She's <laughs> just well, crazy. <clears throat> Go ahead. No, I just, I just, but I, I mean, when you say, to, to be honest, I, I feel like, you Know the, the I was going to say the Bible, but really, a lot of Christian, a lot of the writing by Christians, a lot of the f- religious writing by Christians has been wrestling with with faith, isn't it? C.S. Lewis, like, yeah. I think, I think, I think, I'm not, I mean, so even taking the Bible, right? Like, you mm-hmm. have the book of Job that's supposed to be yep. the oldest, sort of mm-hmm. the earliest written book, and then Revelation is the last written book, and Job mm-hmm. is literally wrestling with the question of what is going on and where exactly are you and what are you doing and what is all mm. this about mm. and then revelation ends with you know saying saying how long you know before you do something about everything and so it's like you have these sort of bookmarks you know the first book to be written and the last book to be written and they're yeah. they're they're both exploring the same issue and literally everything in between is is wrestling right is mm. you know israel means wrestling with god and that's Uh the name that you hear the most frequently (laughs) apart from god's name himself so it's like the name of these people is basically wrestled with With god God. (laughs) (laughs) you know and and it just goes on like that and of course it goes on right you know it's like that's just the story of of faith i think Mm -hmm. um so i i basically all all this to say i think you're a really good company
0: (laughs) I think so, too. And as you're even talking, I was even checking out some of the things, because I've had similar experiences. I think, you know, you and I have talked about that as well. I think until yeah. you get to that point where you, I, I had to just shed away a version of Christianity that I knew that was kind of messing with my mind, and I felt it didn't really, you know, um serve me purpose. And I think it came, and I'm not trying to um take away from this, is the fact that growing up in a Christian home, sometimes you tend to forget just how valuable that is. And yeah. moving to the US was when I realized that, man, I don't think I'm that much of a person of faith. And so I've had my come to Jesus moments. And I'm, <laughs> but I'm glad that you found you found your path, right? And there's something me and <laughs> I mean talk like, about how Christianity is like a map, you know. At the end of the day, we're all gonna get to where we're getting get to, but we might take a detour or maybe Apple Maps might tell us to go through the river to get to where we're going. But we shall get there, shall we? we can turn yeah. left by the river or turn, you know, right by. And I didn't catch that I was trying to diss, you know, Apple Maps because it set someone to turn, you know, left
1: hand camera. You, you, you spot <laughs> it by pointing to it.
0: Because you didn't you, didn't, you didn't respond, which I, that was going to be my payback. I was not At
1: dignifying least. it, <laughs> is what that was. <laughs> oh
0: now, um, this next question, I've been thinking about a way to ask it. But I, I guess since we're talking about faith, I, I just want to ask. It might get a little bit dark, um, just it's asked But if I have to rephrase it, let me know. And if you don't want to answer it, that's okay as well. So, in looking at some of the, the people you're inspired by, so you mentioned like I know Charles and um, is one, Sylvia Plath, and um, is it the point? Is it Point Christian? I don't. I don't remember his first name. Yeah, Christopher yeah, Poindexter.
2: yeah,
0: Christopher Christopher Point Dexter. Um, yeah. Charles Bukowski, and I, I know there was a video myself and I immediately shared. Um, I mean, he's when you talk about, you know, transgressive um, fiction, um, anti social, nihilistic, and, you know, just the one that really points out the mundane aspect of ordinary life. That's, you know, Charles um, Bukowski. And I can definitely see why someone like Sylvia Plath, I mean, she's like the queen of confessional poetry, how that yes. inspired you. But the combines within these two people where they kind of, I would say, succumb to their own artwork in a way that the darkness took over them. Taking, you know, for example, Sylvia Plath has really she had a lot of mental health issues. Which, if you pick up any of her poetry, she was very open about talking about it. And yep. the way she ended up killing herself, it was just, you know, in a very, very deliberate, almost like total eradication way. I guess my question is, given that a lot of the the things you talk about are some of the dark points you've had in your life, and there's a way sometimes it's, it's comfortable because that's what you're used to right how how are you doing in such a way you don't succumb to you know a quote-unquote the demons that you're trying to unleash through your writing does that make sense
2: absolutely absolutely uh let's see um okay i'll just start from the two poets. to uh, Charles Bukowski and Sylvia so Plath—they are kind of so different in terms of their personality. She's a wild yeah. girl, you know, young, beautiful, smart, and all that. Then Bukowski is like a, an old drunk, doesn't care. You know, Bukowski is like, does whatever he wants.
0: So... <laughs> Dirty realism—that was his. He's known as the father of dirty realism.
2: But... Yes, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so, yeah. When I, so, uh, like I mentioned earlier, add. Um, study the other poets, you know, John Keats, the, you know, the big names, the good names, Robert Frost. Right, all yeah, pop, mm-hmm. yeah, the yeah. proper poets. That American sudden, approved. <laughs> yes. American schools approved. Yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the kind of, in quote, perfect poets. So yes, so
0: yes, yes, yes.
2: All of a sudden, I stumble yes. on this free radical, you know, I'm like, what is this? You know, his poetry was just like all over the place. You know, he was just saying what he was thinking, typing what he was thinking, as he was drinking and whatever else he was doing. I was like, oh my God. Then I said, I read so much of his poems and wow, it's actually very brilliant. And I was like, wow. His work is one of kind of the most honest, he never denied what he was or what he was struggling yeah. with. He, yeah. he never. I love the raw honesty of his work. He never tried to I don't know I sugarcoat it. Yeah, yeah, he never tried to sugarcoat his reality, you know, and all that. And it's poem. I think one of his best poems I love is called "Bluebird." So it's oh about, yeah,
0: that's oh one of my so on. yes. Oh my god, there's a there's a YouTube video of it where he kind of narrates it. His voice is something that I'm oh. glad that we have it forever etched yeah. into the you know walls of internet i mean I remember mm-hmm. that video right that we kind of talked about his voice is just but go ahead
1: sorry. i remember the video was that yes. his, as i recall that wasn't his voice though was
0: they did they, they took elements there was the two, there's yes. two
1: videos where there's so unfortunately for me i think i heard the one where someone spoke in reddit first and so I liked that one first, and then I uh. out it wasn't his voice. And by then, I'd fallen in love with the other voice. No, his <laughs> but, voice. yeah.
0: Is... You, can, you can actually he hear the have whiskey. A
1: distinct voice.
0: You can hear the whiskey coming yeah, out of his it words. Yeah. Yeah. It
1: reminds me yeah. of like Leonard, Le- Leonard, Leonard Cohen.
2: Leonard Cohen, yes, like, yes, yes, of, yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes,
1: yes. Sorry, go
2: ahead, Jenny. <laughs> All right, so I love Bluebird so, because I completely kind of understood it. Even trying to like drown that um the, the bluebird is kind of the truth like it's conscience so it tells him maybe what he's doing is wrong it drinks and drowns the bird but when he goes to sleep at night you know the bird still says you know maybe like you can be a better person or you're more than this and so I I just really love that poem. I, and he wrote like there are a lot of poems and I really love them. And I stumbled upon Sylvia Plath. At the time of my life I found Sylvia Plath our stories were really similar. I was so scared. I was like, "Oh my god," you know. And then I read our work. She's one of the most brilliant poets ever. And I think she died at the age of thirty or something like that. I think Forty-three, I think. Forty-three. Yeah. <laughs> so. Sorry, no she 30, thirty. She
0: died in nineteen sixty-three. Sorry, she was yes. yes.
2: Yes. Yeah. And you know, and our uh, work is brilliant. And I think there's. Um, I have a book of us. Uh, the a published journal. You know, so I wrote things that were happening to her. She was just writing. She goes on a date. She writes it and all that. And her life was kind of really tortured. And I could relate to her in a lot of ways. And I kind of connected to her story. But in terms of, um, the, like you said, unleashing the demons, what happens is there's something, um, there's a quote by Charles Bukowski that says, if you take away a writer's typewriter or pen, what you have left is the sickness that made him write in the first place. There's something that drives people to creativity. Mm. There's something that drives... Yeah, there's something that drives people to art. There's something that drives them there. If my... I'm not speaking like... I know I'm generalizing now, but like, um, if my life was kind of perfect and good and jolly and happy, I most likely would never have needed to write. But the intensity of my struggles led me to seeking salvation somewhere. And I was just lucky to find writing. It was almost like, <laughs> I don't know, it was almost like a, a gift. Like maybe I was drowning and someone just dropped a life draft and said, okay, this could save you. And writing was it. Now, um like I mentioned, when writing Scarcast, I had to unleash a lot of that darkness, depression, sadness. When I wrote The Calligraphy of God, it was less so. It was more about me trying to describe the artistry of God in terms of love, the trees and all that. So there's a lot of imageries of nature and all that. But this my new book is my lightest book. (laughs) In quotes. quotes, 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 I could tell from the cover.
0: Let, let me confess here. I've not been able to pick up your two other books because oh, it was too real for me. But this one, I'm like, okay. I, I, that's why I said I wanted a signed copy. You know, yeah. I've, I've read bits and pieces. I've read, you know, some pieces of your old books, but I've not read. I've not like had a whole copy of it. I've read poems from, you know, here and there. But yeah, but go ahead. I I, I, I agree with you. I think it's your life oh,
2: as <laughs> Like it was so. I was like, it was so good that I was like. I had to double check. I was like, I'm sure there's something wrong with my talents here. I don't have my talents anymore. (laughs) I was like, I had to send like samples to some people to review because, like, I've not written since. So my second book came out in 2016. This is about six years later, and so I wrote it like November, December 2021, and I was like, I'm not sure about my talents anymore. Before, when I write, I was quite confident in the quality of my work, but with this one, I was kind of. I just kind of reconnected with God and I was in a good place. I'd gone through an extremely rough year where i had lost my job and for most of the year, I didn't have a source of income. So things were extremely tough. So but still, in the toughness and the difficulty of last year, my head was above the water. I was stable. I was calm. out the most mature or responsible I've been all my life. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and... So my when I connected to Go by February in November I wrote this book. It was just kind of light. Yes, it still deals like with my the death of my dad a little. There about one or two poems about him, but overall it's light and beautiful. And um, because it's light and beautiful, I'm kind of scared. Like, am I losing my talents? Am I losing my skills? You know, because when I'm sitting like in the darkness of it and trying to write from, it's way easier to write from sadness than from happiness. You know. It's way easier to write when you're depressed than when you're joyful. Yeah. And my brother has always had that fear for me. It was like, do not let the darkness consume you. In, you know, in the process of um, creating, do not let your creation destroy you. You know. And I had that fear. I I would just say this, like. Um, I suffered from depression all my life, all my life, Mm. Uh, yeah, (laughs) all my life, so that's why I said I could relate to Sylvia Mm Plath, so, and the thing about depression is that you kind of live in fear of yourself, you know, you live, yeah, you live in fear of yourself, it's almost like, oh, you know, the person you're most scared of is yourself, you're your worst enemy, and, um... So because of that, I needed to find a way because I discovered that a lot of things that were happening to me, I felt that then when it was happening, it was unique to me. It was just me, the world hated me, life hated me. But over time, (laughs) through reading of books and studying the Bible and other things, I discovered it's more universal than I think. And that's why through my writing, I try to create light for other people. I think... There's a quote I wrote that said, um, all I wanted was to plant poetry in broken places and watch flowers grow. Basically, when I write, I'm trying to shine the light to people. And surprisingly, there are many people out there who could be going through something, either similar not to me, or different, but something. They could see they're not alone. They could see, they can make it out. They can see someone else has gone through it or is going through it. And it's making it up, awesome, you know? And my goal with writing at the end of the day is to shine the light.
0: Wow! Uh, I mean, yeah. thank you for answering that. Okay. I I dare to say that we won't have how to dance in time without first having <laughs> scar cast and calligraphy of God. And yeah. a way to think about it is that life is, you know, it comes in phases and this is just a, I don't think of it like a less serious poetry. It's still you, the commonality is you. <laughs> I think it's just showing the processes you've gone through in the past six years, and I'm glad you're in a place to at least still keep writing. Yeah. And it just shows the current phase you're in, and I hope it's you know sustained as long as possible. I also wanted to make a slight correction. When I talked about Sylvia Plath and Charles Bukowski, they're two different poets, but I kind of uh, the way I talked about their death, it made it seem like Charles, you know, committed suicide as well. No, he died of leukemia. But Sylvia did, you know, kill herself in a very horrible way. But yeah, I just wanted to make that um, distinction, distinguishing, distinguishing facts, you know, clear.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. I, 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 I um, I found interesting the bit where you talked about um, the fear of of not being able to create if you sort of almost like lost your pain, as it were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, not your words. I'm paraphrasing. Obviously, I'm not saying yeah. it as well as it did. Um, <laughs> I, I, fi- I find that interesting, actually, because I think um, there is there is. Um, I think there can be a danger of sort of romanticizing pain in a way, which I think um, those of us who are more creative can fall into. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know it's what I mean. Um, yeah um and and I, and I and i and 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 something that it brought to mind was this um so there's this set of essays by this really brilliant lady um don't know if you've ever read her dorothy says mm-hmm. she's fiery and she's amazing and she's oh she's great but anyway one of the things she talked about there's this essay she wrote about um a play she wrote because she she also wrote plays um she wrote the lord peter with the lord peter whimsy detective um series which was very popular in the uk a long time ago um and there was this place that there was this other place that she wrote and one of them there was a character of the devil it was a play that was sort of well pardon the pun it was a play on forced the right. the um the, the myth of you know Faust, the guy who sold his he soul so, for knowledge yeah. um or knowledge and power um and one thing she said was that actually what she's found is that it's easier to write the devil in a, in a story than to write an angel. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it was something I never really thought about. And the point that she was trying to make is that it's easier to write bad guys. And actually, you see it in a lot of stories, right?
2: Yeah.
1: One of the hardest things in that many writers face is writing a good hero. Because the, it's easy to make the hero unrealistic and boring and uninteresting. And I think one of the things people then think as a result of that is actually heroes are uninteresting and being good is uninteresting. But one of the things she pointed out is, no, it's easier to write the bad guys because we're more familiar with being bad guys. Mm. And the reason why it's harder to write good heroes is that we're not so familiar with it. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and the reason why it rings untrue because, well, it is, right? <laughs> and, it's so and, true. And, 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 and you know, her point was like that. Actually, when you see the, every now and then, you read some stories, and I've seen a few stories. I can't remember any now, unfortunately. Um, but when you read some stories where people de- describe, oh, I mean, a good example is when C.S. Lewis talks about Aslan, right, in *Kingsfjordania*, yeah, and uh. he says and you know and that that very popular bit where lucy asks is he safe it's not lucius Lucy, or, lucy or, or, or i think it was sarah or, or susan sorry um mm. and and then they say safe whoever said anything about safe but he's good <laughs> right that's mm. something about the nature of god that mm. is very clear in scripture but you don't easily see in literature because not many people have gotten to grasp that's right because you don't get that if you're trying to sanitize scripture if you're trying to sanitize faith do you mm. get what i mean um, yeah. and i think that's the thing with writing good characters as well but but i think that that also comes down to even things like the idea that art can come from joy mm. you know and art can come from happiness right yeah. because of course it can it can
2: <laughs> and i agree with you have you watched the tv show ted lasso yes yes so yes
1: beautiful that is that is an example that is a br- yes. actually you know, you're so right i can't believe I didn't, but that is a that is a beautiful but that kind of, like that's kind of that's kind of goodness that
2: you mm. can't write if you yes. haven't known
1: it yeah you can't you can't make it, you know. and i think what happens is a lot of people try to write goodness
2: mm.
1: based on what they think goodness should be mm. but you can't you can't really do that do you know yeah
2: absolutely <laughs> oh my god absolutely and like when i first watched it last i was like are you kidding me who is this optimistic who is this (laughs) kind you know but this is so brilliant and it was such an inspiring show like so many people's lives changed from that show
1: Yeah. yeah i
2: agree with you i agree with you and, and, okay. and the thing,
1: I don't know if you say the second season, yes, but the uh, thing that the second season really highlights is he's the way he is because he chooses to be. not because he's naive, not because mm. he's foolish, not because he doesn't know better, but because he makes a choice to respond to reality in a certain way. And that's a choice any of us can make. Well, it's hard and it's not yeah. easy, but it's not easy for him either and then in, in season two you see some of the pain and some of the yeah. the you know i don't want i don't want to say too much because i don't want to spoil it for people <laughs> but but and i know tolani hasn't seen it but but you know what i mean you know what i mean without like i think if you've seen it you know what i'm talking about
2: you yeah know it's absolutely yeah
1: um, and, and you realize this is not like some naive you mm. know sort of sappy you know childlike you know hasn't really matured and known the real world kind of this is somebody that's seen things yes yes yeah. <laughs> A lot, you know, that that thank you for that. That is such a great example, actually.
0: I have to put that on my queue of things to watch. Oh, you would love it. How come you never told me? Well, she
1: does have a problem. There's a good reason why you haven't watched it. What's the problem? Just take a wild guess.
0: Wait, is it on Apple TV? (laughs) Can we move on from this conversation? Thank you.
1: (laughs) I refuse to be corrupted. We tried, we tried. Jenny, we no wonder, no wonder. No no. so how try. did he how we did, he did he escape we from try. a black hole of knowledge? It's
0: why you don't know the kind of battles God is fighting for you. This is one of the reasons. Yeah. Oh we, try. we try. We try we try to spare you. Thank God, oh, but, thank God. <laughs> many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him from all of it. Oh
2: Moving on. Oh
1: <laughs> I, I I wanted to ask a question though. Uh um, okay. and, and yes, it is this is this is moving on um well kind of moving on it's 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 connected in a way but it's not so much about faith um okay. it's it's basically has to do with you know the the um so you've talked about you know you've you've you faced the pain you face faced the joy mm-hmm. um and now you're writing from from joy what, what have you how is it different how is this this different Hmm. The current, the current writing. How has it been different for you?
2: Okay, it's been different because uh, let's see, it's more difficult to write. So, ah. yeah, way more difficult. I used to shun out poems like I know I've written over a thousand poems but I don't want to exaggerate so that's why I put 500 poems <laughs>
1: so, but, ah, like, Lord, give me this kind of modesty
0: I'm telling you I will add extra zeros
2: oh I mean God. more like the modesty of <laughs>
1: I know, your, I know your modest is 500 I could never, I could never be <laughs> <laughs> that couldn't
0: be me
2: Oh, my Lord. You know, I've been writing that's quite a like, like That's that. like literally equivalent
1: of, I'm just going to throw a few million at this.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm not
1: going to do a billion.
2: But um, now that I'm kind of in a lighter, happy place, um, the writing comes, like, kind of fewer. I think something has to change because when I was in a dark place, I was writing out of passion. So... You know, they said they say you have to have passion, love what you do and all that. So I was writing out of passion. But now that I'm in an happy place, I'm now coming to realisation that I have to now write out of discipline and determination as as well as passion but but more responsibly. So I I can tell you for certain I have not announced my talents up to even five percent. Because everything everything like what happens is Calligraphy of God. I wrote it. I think in maybe like a day or two days. I just go in and start writing, 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 writing. Stop. I have so many poems, but I don't. I'm not the kind of writer that writes like every day or every week or whatever. So I, I've never had that discipline, and you know, needed to be an artist. So, but now that I'm in a happy place and I'm not writing from depression or sadness or things happening in my life, I now have to combine passion with responsibility, determination and just discipline, you know? And um <clears throat> yeah, so that's where I am. Um when I used to write the darker poems, um, people always said, okay, even though the poems were dark, at the end there was always kind of a glimmer of hope. At some point they were just dark all the way. But now they're all up, oh, up, oh, all the way. <laughs> light, light, light. Uh, I'm like, oh my God, who is this person? Who wrote this book, <laughs> you know? It's completely different. And sometimes it scares me because not writing from pain, it kind of um, makes me kind of doubt my capabilities and my talents. You know, so that confidence I always had I never needed approval or validation for my work. I knew when I finished the poem, you know, before I put it out there, I always had this confidence and knowledge that it was good and well, you know, taken care of. But now, um, when I finish a poem, even though it's good, I just I'm like, Oh my god, is it good enough? I'll send it to, to another poet or a friend or my sister. Oh, please help me read this. It's this a good poem, you know, before I put it out there. So I think it's kind of affected my confidence, but I'm just at the beginning of this you Know, side of the journey, and I think with time, I probably would find my way and the way to you know balance it out.
0: I'm that I mean, they would like this new version of you because for him, that <laughs> is like you have to like don't show up, that's what he, he always says. So, perhaps one way of looking at it is like the writer in you is still, it's still there, it's just yeah, almost like committing yourself more to it. It's still a different mm-hmm. side of you coming out, but it's still you, regardless. Yeah, yeah. Right.
1: yeah. I mean, the yeah. way I think of it is there's the art of writing and everybody focuses on that Mm. too easily and we forget that writing is also a craft yes yes and and this is the craft the craft is you show up and you do the work yes (laughs) you know and 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 that's what i'm hearing you say um and and it makes me think of the fact that like you know again the idea of art as this sort of romantic thing that people only do when they're moved by the muse is, is a mm-hmm. recent thing like yes. historically all through human history artists were workers mm-hmm. <laughs> right a lot of what we call art a lot of what we call art it's <laughs> it was it was people's jobs and they did it to commission no no paid yeah. you and you and you produced or demand <laughs>
2: hence the hungry hungry artists because <laughs> if you don't hungry. work you don't eat literally true <laughs> <Cheer, cheer. laughs> true
1: but yeah, thanks, thanks for thanks for sharing that. That's that's um, um, and and yeah, I'm 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 glad you're I'm glad you're in this place. And I don't know what's gonna come next because, like you said, life is in waves. Annoyingly, it's not. Yeah. It's, I I I think in some ways it can't go up, but it doesn't go up in a straight line. It still goes.
0: It goes. You know. don't know if it's up or down. It still goes. In
1: some ways, it's higher. It's lower lows and higher highs. In some yeah. Ways sometimes,
2: yeah. <laughs>
0: So I like to I like to spend some time on your new book, you know, how to dance in time, and okay. I think you describe it as a, a book that contains poems to encourage people to find themselves. You mm-hmm. also have, you know, the themes you usually talk about: grave depression, um, falling in love, being in love, and all that. Mm-hmm. And but the the commonality is, is still a confessional style poetry, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, what has that we already kind of have an idea of what your writing process has been like but for anyone that picks up the book what would you hope for them to you know pick out of that book and
2: uh, yeah okay so i think the the shortest and most effective way to describe the book is carpe diem seize the day so this book was kind of written to remind people that life is short. um sometimes we we are kind of we feel kind of entitled, thinking, okay, since I was born, I'm gonna live like a hundred years or a hundred and twenty years or something. But sometimes people die before they're born, or they die young, or you know, like Jesus died, I think, at the age of thirty-three or something like that, and everything. he had done, every, yeah, he had done everything he was meant to do in his life, and it was over. So we have no rights to time, we have no entitlements to time, we have no, you know. Today might be it, but like if today is it, have you done what you were born to do? You know? So this book is just kind of telling you whatever it is you want to do with your life, you know, don't wait till tomorrow. Don't um Okay, in ten years I'm gonna leave <laughs> by the house um, the out by the sea with my ten dogs and all that. But like, um, since today when I was young, I for some reason was a strong believer that every single person had a talent because if, if it wasn't singing or playing an instrument or something I just believed, I was and I was firm about it and vocal about it that every single person had a talent there was something that they alone like were exceptionally good at so like I mentioned I've done dancing I've done singing and I've done all that but when it comes to poetry that's where I'm exceptionally good at. That's where my strength shows. That's where my talent lies. So, and I mentioned earlier, in spite of writing maybe over a thousand poems, I've still not amassed half of the gifts God has given me. Because it's so easy for me. In my sleep, like I could be in the shower, a poem comes, I'll leave the shower, take a pen, write it down so I don't forget, then go back. You know, I'll be sleeping a poem comes, I wake up, type it on my phone, go back. I'll be praying and maybe just creating a song to God and it's so good. I'm like, oh God, let me remember after praying. (laughs) Oh, I know. (laughs) You know, it's crazy. So it's just there. So for me, in my sleep, I can write to a kita's poem and all that. So that is of it. That's where the talent comes in. But the executing of your gifts, the using of like, the total gift and potential in you now comes from discipline. So, like I already mentioned, showing up and doing the job. Showing up and doing the job. So, some people don't even, like, in quotes, have talent. But they train themselves to be way better yeah. than people with the actual talent. So, whatever it is, like you like to do or you want to do in your life this book is just kind of reminding you to seize the day, carpe diem love to the best of your ability today live to the best of your ability today, use your talent to the best of your ability today it's all about kind of today and it's kind of encouraging people to like live richly and fully and deeply like that's what this book is about
0: Oh, look at that! And I I hope you're even even though you've given us something to like think about. I hope you're also enjoying the season you're in.
2: Yeah. Yeah. All right. yeah, yeah, And where can people find the book, by the way? Oh, yeah, it's on Amazon.com, and now it's just been um, published in Nigeria, so it has be all over. <laughs> okay, yeah. Congratulations! Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Oh. oh i thought you were
0: <laughs> it's, see this is why if i don't see your face it's it hard for me to emote <laughs>
2: i'm
1: sorry about my video being gone
0: you better be just kidding
1: go ahead no i thought you were going to ask a question i just realized that you were quiet and i wondered if you were waiting for me
0: oh i was waiting for you because i had another question but i wanted to give you a tip, yeah go so. for it oh um so we we'll have dwell a lot on your book and your creating process and i I think you've had so many things you've you've talked about, and I just wanted to emphasize one thing, which is um it's also something myself and I to talk about a lot in, well I don't even I don't know if you're the one I talked to this about like i and praising kids about being smart, praise them more for putting their effort into something, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that's what you said about writing. It's like just putting in your effort, and it seems like this is your book this time around is about you, because one might say that yeah, pain is kind of like an easier place to write from now that the pain is gone it's like your muse is gone like now what now right
2: no. what are you gonna write now you
0: know and like Chelsea, no. the because he will say don't try you know that's one of the things he always said don't try if it doesn't really? come to you you should never try to write don't, don't try just write um but let's talk a little bit about something that we've explored on the show before but i'd like to hear your angle on this so i know for a fact that you you're an immigrant to the u.s you moved here um is that something you like for us to talk about
2: Sure. Oh, okay.
0: Sure. I wasn't sure if maybe your fans you are not in, the, in Nigeria <laughs> anymore, but you've been you've been gone for so long. At this point, it's like spoiler. We don't have to issue like a spoiler alert. Um, just given how you tend to be, i would say introvertish, right? My question is, how have you been able to find community where you are? And what was the hardest thing for you to adjust to the US?
2: Oh wow. So, I came here in 2018 for my master's in business. So, the town I came to is called Corvallis in Oregon, and it's like maybe 99.9% like white. <laughs> you know? Yes. Oh my God. <laughs>
0: So no
2: offense crazy. to white people, uh, <laughs> but we like diverse communities for immigrants. It helps us. I, I know. It's so like, oh my god! But the good part was that they were very friendly. Like they helped me, you know, carry my bags from the bus and Do you need help and stuff like that? So it's a very friendly community. And uh, in my class, I was the only black person. Also, <laughs> you know, so I was like, oh my god, what am I gonna do? You know, so I just always kind of. Kept quietly to myself sitting in front and yeah but it was a good experience and uh, the first thing I missed the most was the food I was like oh my god no more jello fries (laughs) and and, you know pandemi those are real issues (laughs) (laughs) I know and there was no single African store in Cobali you know I was like for two years I didn't eat any African food and I was it was tough you know and uh, what else The cold, Uh, I used to work like in this cold diner, so I used to work early in the morning, so I would have to work like in the snow, walk to work, and shivering cold, it was terrible, and um, it was just a year after I lost my dad, I lost my dad in 2017, and I came here in 2018, and I didn't kind of um, properly process the loss. then when I came here, That was when I processed it. I found myself crying a lot and just, you know, going through it. Then in terms of community, um, I kind of made friends, a lot of friends in school. Just, okay, I would say acquaintances. I just socialized and made acquaintances. Then when I graduated in 2020 and moved here to Portland, um, it was in the middle of the pandemic. So I wasn't able to meet people or create a community and all that. And uh the worst part, like you already know, <laughs> was this year, just in March. I felt terribly ill and needed emergency surgery, and I had absolutely no one. It was so frightening and uh, because of your help, of course, I was some people came to meet me. It, it was the most frightening experience of my life. Like, when they were putting me into surgery, I was like, Dad, see you soon. I thought I was gonna die, you know, I was like, Dad, see you soon. Nobody to like hold my hand or just say to be okay or something. It was, it was cold and tough. But since I've gotten better, I've put in more effort into me to people, so now through church I've met about three new girlfriends and <laughs> we went out one Friday and I think we're going out tonight also <laughs> just to explore the city have dinner and stuff. Is that I'm Jennifer? Jennifer is not yet. We're meeting soon. So we're going to okay. dinner soon. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, so these are yeah. other people from church and okay, okay. it's been amazing. And a Bailey also. Yay, Bailey. <laughs> yes, yeah, they were both amazing to me and really, really good. And uh, so, yeah, and now I'm putting in more effort to creating a community, meeting people, and having someone to depend on.
0: Oh, I'm so happy to hear. I, I do, well, since you mentioned it, so... In our episode where we talked about superpowers and communities, I had mentioned helping to find, help a friend, you know, find community and reaching out to people on social media. Well, it was Jennifer. So, but I'm glad <laughs> that really helped worked out for you. And, you know, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, shout out to everyone who helped out Jennifer, I okay. Jessica, Jessica Puri. Um, I immediately actually was one of the people that helped us get a doctor to come that works in that hospital oh. to come say hi. We thank shared the, the story on, on FGM oh, and how work on that. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm thank glad you. that you found you found your people from there because, as <laughs> you know, you shouldn't do life alone. And yeah. you know, yeah. Anyways, um, thank you, thank you, oh, no. so cool. <laughs> thank you so much. It's it, I, I mean, there, I see there are two parts of you where if I go on, if I didn't know you, and I just look at your social media pages and things you've done. I almost like I know Jennifer, but I there's also Jenning DBA, which is like, oh the Jenning DBA. And <laughs> you're so humble about the whole thing. I mean, we we kind of teased you about the whole 500, you know, points and all that. Is so take it like it's really a privilege to, be able to share your story and, and bring you on the podcast. And my my time DSA is probably your first time ever being on any podcast, right? It is. <laughs> look at that guys see the things we do for you people so gotta listen to this episode and I'll share with your people because this is Jennifer jenny but um seriously thank you thank you for um you know doing this with us thank you for opening up about just you know, what your process has been like and the faces you've had through all of your work um i'm glad to see this version you know we don't know what 10 years down the line is going to be, but I know that it's a work in progress, you know, and it should always get better. It will only get better. And yeah. So thank you on behalf of everyone on the show.
2: Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you. I'm very grateful. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. The honor is ours. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. But um, Perhaps if you have anything you like to say before we close all the show, maybe things we haven't... Like, if there are any burning final, you know, final words, I mean, they will come for me Now, when Nigerians are on the spot, they should have, there are three Nigerians on this on this episode. It was a non-Nigerian. They would let us Ah, it's not my final words in Jesus' name. So I can't even say I'm in his face. So let's imagine that he's rolling his eyes right now. So are there any final comments you like to add to this ongoing poll of conversation?
2: yeah so i would just like to first of all thank you so much and everyone um listening you know for this opportunity to come on here and just share my story and just you know talk about the book and my poetry i'm very very grateful for the opportunity and then i would just like to say that um no matter what you go through no matter how difficult life may get sometimes never give up you know. Um, at some points in your life, it might seem like you know you're in the what they call the proverbial tunnel. You know where it seems like maybe there's no light at the end, but there's always light at the end, and there's always hope. You know, and from the things we discussed today, we talked about love, we talked about um, faith and hope, and I think the Bible says the greatest of the three is love. So if you can love as much as you can you know, give as much as you can of yourself, of your time, of your resources, you know, and also give yourself a break. (laughs) Don't be too hard on yourself. Don't be too hard on other people. Everyone is kind of on a journey and if you believe in God and have faith in God, then trust in God that you'll end up somehow, somewhere in a very good place. And I hope when you read my book you'll learn how to dance in time and seize the day and Love the play, live the play, and I wish you the very best. Whoa.
0: <laughs> you know what? Permit me, I really this is okay. I was that actually beautiful. thought of something. Yeah, that was beautiful. The first person to send us a message on Instagram about this particular point in time, like, make sure you mention this timestamp. You're gonna get a free book of Jennifer's um crown, a free copy of Jennifer's yeah. test book. We'll send that to you. So you have to mention this particular timestamp and the keyword is Dancing in time, <laughs> <laughs> or how to dance in time. Just so mention those two things, the timestamp and this keyword, and you're gonna get a free copy of my book. It can be shipped to you anywhere in the world. Oh yeah, um, I think you've you've ended us in a very good way. I mean, we can't even add anything to it because that was be- until it's Friday. I don't have to go to church on Sunday. Cause- <laughs> filled up oh
2: my god
0: anyways well um thank you i think we said that many thank times you. but thank you and i hope thank this was you. not as nerve-wracking as you thought it was gonna be but thanks for coming
2: on the show thank you so much thank, thank you day.
0: <laughs> all right all right everyone well we hope to catch you guys on another episode of the most of our podcast don't forget to listen and um stream download share with people tag your friends And yeah, let us know how best we can also support you as well on the show. If you have other topics you'd love for us to explore, you know, hit us up on Instagram or through email or Facebook, just find us. We're everywhere, you know, and as always we'll catch you guys on another episode of the most of podcast. This is no end.
1: Bye
0: for now. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jim.